0: Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. Amen. You know, there's a number of people in this world today that if they were honest with themselves would probably say that something is missing. You know, maybe uh, things are going quite well on your job or with your your health or your relationships, yet something's not right. Something's missing. Or maybe everything is seeming to fall apart, and you're saying, well, you know, there's a whole lot of things missing. But there's particularly one thing I want to focus on today, and that one thing might just be that you need to develop a close relationship with God, a close relationship with God, meaning if you don't know him yet, you just might need to. And if you do know him, you might, might need to know him better. And the think about the word relationship is that it implies something real. You know, if you look at the first four letters of relationship, you just kind of change two letters around, you get real. And that's what what it implies, something real, not something that's fake. That's part of the difference between relationship and religion because religion is built on man-made rules. Religion is ultimately, you know, made up of practices, and religion often doesn't actually have any power. There's no demonstration. There's nothing supernatural about it. It's just, you know, we're kind of following these rules, hoping that it will produce a result in our lives, and that's not the same as relationship. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity isn't religion. Now, I can mention some other religions I want right now, but that's really what they are. They're just, you know, uh, people following certain sets of rules that man has really come up with, certain beliefs that man has, you know, decided uh, we ought to believe, and then people live their lives according to that. But Christianity is not that. Christianity is built on a relationship between you and the God of the universe, and God wants to have that with you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to be close to him. He doesn't want you just to be a Christian by name. He wants you to walk with him. In James chapter 4, notice what it says in verse 8. It says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Well, notice, ultimately, God is the one speaking to you. He used man to say what he had to say. And he's telling you here, I want you to come closer to me. The God of the universe wants you to come closer to him, which means that you can, that you can get closer to God than you are right now. And, of course, this isn't isn't talking about physically. It's talking about with your heart. We understand this. We understand what it means to be close to someone emotionally. God said, I want you to be close to me, not only emotionally, but spiritually. And as I was meditating on this, a few things really jumped out at me again. One of them is that you are as close to God as you choose to be. You are as close to God as you choose to be. The second is, God is as close to you as you allow Him to be. He is as close to you as you allow him to be. In other words, see, if you come close to God, then he will come close to you. So it's like a game of checkers. You make your move, then he gets to make his move. The closer you get, the closer he can get. Number three, God's power only works in your life to the extent that you allow it. See, when God comes close to you, that means his power can work for you right? In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, you can see what happens when God just sits on a mountain. The mountain's shaking. There's lightning. There's thunder. I mean, there's a lot going on because when God shows up, things change. And so, the closer you get to God, the more change there can be in your life. But His power only works to the extent that you allow it. The last one is, your life is on the level it is because of your proximity or lack of proximity to God because of how far you are from God or how close you are to God. And so verse 10 then says this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. He will lift you up. Now, this is still the same teaching. So God was saying, come close to me, I'll come close to you. But then he gives you a little bit more information about what happens when it comes close to you. God lifts you up. Today we would say God calls you to level up. He calls you to level up. Maybe you want to get past some things that happened in your past. You know, you want to level up from that. Maybe you want to have a comeback from from some things. You know, maybe you had some setbacks. God calls you to level up. But if you want to level up, you got to get close to God. You must get closer to God. You want to level up the level the, the quality of your life. You must get close to God, If you want to level up the impact you have in this world, you must get closer to God. And so we're beginning a series today that really has one simple goal. And it's to help you to take the next step, one step closer to God. I want you by the end of this series to have taken one step closer to God in your walk. Maybe you and God will walk in with this much distance between you. By the time we get done, I want the distance to be shorter. I'm not asking you to become a, you know, somebody that's just on fire for God, you know, just like, like Moses or Paul in four weeks. Now, if you get there, great. But I'm just saying, let's just take one step closer. Let's, just, let's take this 21 days of prayer and get closer to God and then watch what God does in our lives. And so I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 5. You know, some of us understand one step closer because this is what happened when we start dating, right? Maybe you met your spouse, and at first they were a stranger, but eventually they became an acquaintance. Then after a while, you know, that acquaintance became a friend. Then after a while, that friend became, you know, a BFF, Right? Then after a while, you guys end up becoming, you know, a spouse, became intimate. And some of y'all might say, well, none of that happened. We went straight to intimate. That's all right. Well, we, we just thank God for forgiveness in the blood and all of that stuff. But you get my point. Usually things, relationships develop by steps, right? And that's often how it is with our relationship with God. You just need to take a, you know, we just sometimes we just got to take steps. You get, you, you get closer and closer. You get more and more mature. And you see God do more and more in your life. Here's a question to ask yourself, for those who are are believers in here. Is Christianity just a religion you practice or a relationship that you have? Is Christianity just a religion that you practice or a relationship that you have? Think about that. Is it just a set of rules that you're following or is there someone that you, you know that you're trying to develop this relationship with. And see, what I want to do is I want to help you to go from religion to relationship. I want to help you to go from, you know, practices to, to a true daily life with God. Here's another question to ask. Because, you know, everything in the Christian life is supposed to come out of our relationship with God and others, ultimately, right? And so, Is your relationship with God and others what has been motivating your behavior? Meaning, am I not smoking or drinking or a lot of the do-nots because that's a rule that I follow or because I love God? And I'm trying to not disappoint Him. I'm trying to, to have a strong relationship with Him. Am I in the job? Am I following the calling that God has placed on my life because that's just some, you know, that's a number, uh, one of the steps some preacher gave me or because that's what I want to do for God because I believe, I trust him and I want to have an impact for him. I can see we need this series. Y'all looking at me like, oh man. But this is where we need to go because part of the problem we're having, what's missing for many of us is this, that we have turned Christianity into a religion. And I hear this all the time from Christians. Yeah, I, I believe her. I'm a believer. I go to church. But then you look at their life and you don't see any change. And I don't just mean by how they act. I mean by what God's able to do. There's nothing supernatural in their lives. They're hurting. They're struggling. They're having problems that everybody else is having that doesn't happen to serve Jesus. Simply because they, 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 they may know him, but they don't really know him. They don't have a relationship with him. It's like having a car in your driveway, but always riding a bike. Always call an Uber. Always, but, but you have a car, but you never drive it. That's too many of us. Where we 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 have God, we have Jesus. God saying, "Come close to me. I got you." And we 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 don't experience any of that because this is a this is a religion for us. I go to church sometimes because I'm supposed to. I don't do this because I'm not supposed to. I'm worried about what people are going to think, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm worried about the results. And thank God it does make sense to pay attention to the, the, the negative results that come from certain behaviors, but you gotta, there's got to be something more than that that's driving you. This is the mistake we make in raising our children in church because we, for some reason, like to make it seem like that you ought to do this, you ought to do that, just simply because it's the right thing to do. Simply because that's not how Christians act. Simply because I tell you to. And when they turn 18, that's not going to be good enough. In fact, you might be finding out at 14, that's not good enough. And then you wonder why when they're older, how come they live this way? How come this is going on in their life? I took them to church. Yeah, but you never put the church in them. You never gave them the relationship with God that they needed. I happen to believe as a parent, one of the greatest things I could ever give my child is a relationship with God. If I can teach them to be close to God, God's got them. Even when they mess up, they'll, they'll have that relationship to pull them back. When you have a relationship with him, you won't use his name in vain. I hadn't even started preaching yet. But this is big in my heart because this is what's missing. And you're trying everything. You chase after the job, you get success, still something missing. You get yourself that man, that woman, right? You think that's all I needed, still something missing. Then you put an undue pressure on them or on those things because you're like, well, y'all, something must be wrong with y'all because I'm still unhappy. It's not them. Their job is not to make you happy. You are happy when you get close to God. That's the only thing that'll make you happy. But as long as you keep him at an arm's length, try to just make sure I got a ticket to heaven, and that's it. Let me do my own thing. But as long as I get to go to heaven, well, you're not going to be happy. And, you, and, and I'm sorry, in this day and age, this world, everything is like, like, you know, shifting sands, man. Sin is like quicksand. You keep doing that long enough, and you're going to find yourself sinking. You may not make it to heaven because you end up choosing to turn your back on God. If you want to level up your life, you must get closer to God. Well, Genesis chapter 5, oh, y'all better pray. My clock stopped working. Oh, boy. I got a backup. Genesis five verse twenty-two. It said after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close. The Emma five Bible says habitual fellowship with God for another three hundred years, and he had other sons and daughters. Verse twenty-four says Enoch lived three hundred and sixty-five years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. There's the one place in the Bible, really two places, that we see Enoch mentioned. And what God chose to mention about this man, his defining characteristic was that he was close to God. He walked in habitual fellowship. The word walk there means to be conversant, to follow. The, the word fellowship means a friendly relationship, companionship. Uh, one preacher from way back, his name was Buddy Harrison, he used to say, Fellowship is two fellows in one ship. And the idea here is that he, he, he literally had a relationship with God where he was talking with him every day, where he was hanging with him, where he was, you know, he was uh, uh, just close to him. And if you go back to even the Old Testament, I mean, excuse me, early on in Genesis, just a few chapters before this, you see God come down, the Bible says, in the cool of the garden. And he's walking and he's looking for Adam, saying, Adam, where are you? And what you can get from that is that this is something God would do. He'd just come down and, and find Adam and they just hang out. But Adam messed that up. But somewhere along the lines, Enoch found, got a hold of that idea And he found a way to be close to God anyway. He made it his habit to be close to God. And what I like about this as well is that it wasn't just that he was close to God, but God chose to be close to him. And that's what he'll do with us. And notice that he did this for 300 years. Of course, this is before God shortened man's lifespan. And so he's he's walking with God. He's close to God for three years. 100 years and the end result of this is that God decides to make an example out of. Them. See this is what God wants. If you think about it when God created the earth and he put Adam and Eve on the earth there was no gospel that needed to be preached. There was no mission. The mission was simply hang out with God. God just wanted a family. That's why he created us. His number one thing he wanted, and he still wants, his family. One of the things I love about hanging out with my family is, is just that, hanging out with them. Just, make, just laughing together, talking about each other, playing around. Am I the only one that's like that? No, man. You know, we, you know we, this is why we do this when they're home going. People have passed away. We get family together. Why? Because we comfort each other right? And, and we find some joy in just being together. And, and this is how God feels. God's like, man, I just want family. I just want to be close to you. So since Enoch has done exactly what I want everybody to do, I'm going to make an example out of him. I'm going to make him the first man to be raptured. Now, you, you may say, what in the world is, a, what is raptured? Well, the Bible teaches that Jesus is coming back just like he came the first time. And really it talks about his appearing. And what's going to happen is that he's going to come in the clouds, the trumpet's going to sound, and everybody who is a believer in Jesus, the Bible says, will be caught up in the air. So all of us, let's just say the rapture happened right now, you know, then, then those who are believers in this room, we would just disappear. Right? And that means and, and and we would disappear body and all. I mean, we're not gonna leave our body. We might leave our clothes. You could get my in Detroit for Detroit shirt then, because you're gonna have to preach at that point. There's gonna be a whole lot of people wondering what in the world happened here, and at least you will know something. But uh we we'll get caught up in our bodies, we'll get caught up in the air, we'll meet Jesus in the air, we'll go into heaven. And so that's what the Bible teaches. And there have been multiple raptures in the Bible, but God chose to make Enoch the first. He wanted to make an example out of him. This is what I want people to do. So since he did this, he gets to go to heaven early. I mean, oh, heaven is a place you want to be. There's no pain. There's no crying. There's no war. There's no, no issues. Just the glory of God, man. You're just enjoying life the way God intended. God said he gets to go to heaven early. And he was also kind of a preview of what God's going to do at the end. See, as we as the body of Christ, the big C church, not just this church, but Christians all across the world get closer and closer to, to God, then we're going to get closer and closer to that rapture. And so what we can ultimately get out of this is that Enoch had a close relationship with God, like God wants us to have a close relationship with him. And the reason why he was able to do that, or the way he did that, was simply that he talked with God every day. And another way of saying that is that he had a prayer life. Somebody turn to him and tell him prayer life. He had a prayer life. We kind of get that. We, we understand what it means to have a dating life. You know, if you went on one date in five years, you wouldn't say you had a dating life, Right? Somebody was like, don't be talking about me in church, pastor. But No, if you had a dating life, because you've been going on dates. Well, to, to, there's a difference between being someone who prays from time to time, particularly when things are tough, and someone who has a prayer life, someone who walks with God, someone that has close fellowship with God through talking with Him every day. In fact, you know, when I was thinking about this phrase, walk with God, I literally came up with a definition to have a daily interactive relationship with the God of the universe. An interactive, what is that? That's prayer. So, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. I saw a t-shirt online yesterday, and it just simply said, Jesus is not a weekend thing. I was like, man, that's God right there. I'm writing that down, using that. It's true. You know, we, we, get, we have a family life, right? If you're married, you're texting your wife probably throughout the day. Or, you know, you got kids, you probably talk to them every day. And that's really what God's saying. He's saying, I'm a, I'm a part of the household too. Right? I'm in the house too. You ought to talk to me every day. You ought to have an ongoing conversation, relationship with me every day. You ought not act like we're separated. And the only time we talk is when there's some problem. We got to work through some business. No, you ought to have a prayer life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Notice what's said here. So let us come boldly, To the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Notice what I believe is Paul was saying. Let us come boldly. That means with confidence. You can only come with confidence when you know you belong there. Let us come boldly, get this, to the throne of grace. I want you to keep reading this for a moment. There we'll receive his mercy, and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. There's a few things implied here. One of them is he's not talking about a one-time visit. No, we can find grace when we need it, meaning that this is something that you can do frequently. You can frequently come to the throne of grace. The other thing here is that he's talking about coming to God's throne. That's where the king of kings, you know, the almighty God sits. And he's telling us that says something that we can do right now. He's not talking about coming to God's throne when you get to heaven. How do you know that? Because he talked about finding grace to help us when we need it most. Well, when you get to heaven, you won't need grace to help. You won't need help with anything. There won't be any sickness. There won't be no one persecuting you. There'll be no poverty. None of that negative stuff. You won't need help in that way. But on earth, we need help. What anybody say, I need help? So God is telling me here that he, as far as he's concerned, you can go to the throne right now, ask God for what you need, and walk away with it. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. I said, you can go to the throne right now. Right now, ask God for what you need and walk away with it. What's the Bible telling us here? What's he talking about? He's talking about prayer. Prayer transports you to the throne room. Anytime you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the spirit realm, you're at the throne. Oh, y'all, 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 I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. I want you to get a hold of this because That's really what's happening as far as God is concerned, and that really ought to be how you see it yourself. It's like those old Star Trek uh, TV shows where they would say, beam me up, Scotty. When you say Father in Jesus' name, it's like you just got beamed up and you're standing at the throne. You're sitting there right there. In fact, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people, so you could argue that the throne comes down and sits where you are. Either way, you get to go to the very throne of the creator of the universe and ask for things. And he will give you power for your hour. See, some of us, that's the problem right now. I need it now. I need God to move now. I need healing. I need answers. I need favor. And God is saying, I got it for you. I got grace to help you in your time of need. You just need to come and ask me for it. You just need to come boldly to me. Believe me that I'll give it to you, and I'll give you what you need. You have that right if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus. The Bible says that God's ears are open to our prayers. Not because of anything we did, but because of what Jesus did. Because Jesus became our high priest. He's the one that made the way for us to go straight to the throne. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is going straight to the throne of God. It's having a conversation with God. And that's what God's looking for. And I mentioned Genesis chapter 3 earlier, and I, I'm going to read verse 9 to you because I want you to notice what God said to, to Adam when he came down to walk with him in the garden, it says, And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And you know, that's really what God's saying to some of us. Where are you? He's sitting at the throne saying, isn't it? It's time for our day. Where are you at? Are you you're standing me up? You're ghosting me? There was a song years ago by a group called Commission. Anybody remember Commissioned? That's just the old, older saints, those been around a little bit. We remember Commissioned. They're doing like a revival tour somewhere. you know, some type of, they're coming back together for a little bit right now. And there was this one song that i never forget. I don't think it was super popular or anything, but it just simply said, I miss my time with you. And it was God saying, I miss my time with you. And that's where God is with some of us. Where are you? How come I only see you when something goes wrong? How come I only see you when you're mad and you're blaming me for something that that you did or that my enemy did? I'm sitting on my throne waiting for you. You can come directly to me. Where are you? He's looking for you every day. Can you imagine if you have a family at home, if you just didn't show up? You know, Your family understands you may have to go to work, but now it's 7 o'clock, it's 8 o'clock, it's 9 o'clock, it's 10 o'clock, it's 11 o'clock. It's 1 in the morning. Nobody knows where you are. What kind of texts are you getting? Where are you, baby? You okay? You're getting phone calls. At my house, I get a call from all four ladies. I'm serious. Tiffany will be calling. Angie Angie will call first. Tiffany will call. Then Alexis with her laid-back self would call. And then April would FaceTime me through her iPad. I would hear from everybody. Where are you, Daddy? Just from one day. Being gone when nobody knows where I am. How where is God on that? Has he been knocking on your heart? Hey, where are you? He's sliding into the DMs of your heart. Where you at, baby? See, just like Adam, you have direct access to the God of the universe. You can walk with God. You can have an interactive relationship with him. And he's like, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you spend time with me? I have your answers. I have the power you need. I can comfort you if you're hurting. I can heal you if somebody damaged you. And I love you more than you even understand. There's nothing you could ever say or do to stop me from loving you. I am a safe space. How could you not come hang out with me? How could you blame me for what you think I did and stay away from me when I told you that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and I've come to give you life? And for you to have it more abundantly, how could you boycott me? Yeah. When i have given you everything, and I love you, he's saying, where are you? Yeah. There's something else that comes from going to God's presence. Psalm 1611, some, the psalmist says this. We'll just pull something out of It, it says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. That word presence actually means face. The word fullness means satisfaction. In fact, if you look up the Hebrew word, the first word that comes up is is being satisfied with food. We know what it's like to be full of food, right? Right? And, and see, I shouldn't have said that because y'all do not forget all about the message that fast. But anyway, and here he's talking about being satisfied, filled up with joy. Man, what's it like when you're filled up with joy? The word joy does mean here, one of the definitions is gladness. There's something about getting in the throne room, getting in that place of prayer where you, it's just you and God and staying there. And talking to God and God talking to you and praying in the spirit that causes the joy that's already in your heart. If you're a follower of Jesus to bubble up, it stirs it up. And sometimes that's what you need. That's what happened to David. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David had made a mistake, I believe, and he led his men to the wrong battle on the wrong side. And when they got back home, they found that their home had been completely destroyed by uh, raiders. And those raiders had not only destroyed their homes and taken their goods, they are taken their wives and their children. And now David's own men, these are the guys that have been his ride-or-die guys. Man, he raised them. He trained them. He's had great victory with them. These are his brothers, and they are just losing it. They're crying. They're screaming. Because back then, if your wife or your child was taken, you weren't getting them back. Who knows what happened during the battle to your wife, right? So these guys are just losing it, and these are his brothers, and it's his fault. And then they decide, man, we ought to kill David. I mean, your brothers are saying, we ought to kill you, and then you kind of like, yeah, y'all probably should have killed me. I mean, that's where he was. What did he do? Did he just give up? No, the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. What does that look like? That looks like hurting, being upset. Because the Bible says he was greatly distressed, man. We don't use that term today. He was depressed. But still coming into prayer. God, you're still good. I thank you because you've given me victories in the past. I praise you because you are a good God. I worship you because there's no one like you. And, And just beginning to praise and worship God and just getting in God's presence. And all of a sudden, God shows up. He's in the throne room. It's one of the things I like to do when I pray is pretend I'm actually in the throne room. and, And the presence of God is there. And the joy of God starts to bubble up. And somehow God's joy overcomes his depression. And he walks out encouraged, though nothing had changed. And you might be dealing with depression right now. And I know there are natural things you can do. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But I'm here to tell you, this is the answer. When it's all said and done, this is the answer. You need a prayer life. Because there have been many times, particularly in the last couple of years, where I have been depressed. And I just wanted to say, forget it, I give up. And one of these days, I'll tell y'all about some of this stuff. But I can't tell you now. But there have been many days where I went into a life, forget it, I am done. I'm about to go. I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to sin like I ain't never sinned before a day in my life. I don't care. I live right all my life. I'm going to have fun. Am I the only one ever felt like that? Uh, Okay, y'all think I'm crazy now. Well, anyway. And I'm I'm feeling it, man. And I would get up and I'd go to prayer because I developed a habit. I would feel weird if I didn't pray. It'd be like if I didn't brush my teeth. You know, you feel weird all day. You'd be like, man, something wrong. Yeah, your breath, you know. (laughs) And you can get to that point. It's one of the things we want to do during the series. So, you know, I would go, I would feel like that. I would go into prayer, and I'd start off, you know, thanking God. You know, it wouldn't wouldn't be very good. Praising God, okay. Worshiping God. I mean, I'd be singing the songs, barely, like, you know, start praying to my understanding, probably spend 15 minutes, God, why you let this happen? Why this going on? God, why, 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 why? You know, the wines and start praying in the spirit. And, and, and over time, I would find myself kind of coming to myself. Wait a minute. Well, what am I thinking? God didn't do this. It's not over yet. I'm not a quitter. And, 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 and the joy of the Lord. And sometimes it might take me, and sometimes it took me a couple of hours to get there. You know, when you're really dealing with some stuff. The higher the intensity of the problem, the more intense you need to seek God. You can't have no, you know, life-altering change type problems in your life and didn't want to give God five minutes of prayer. That ain't going to help. So There are times, it took hours, but I would come out of prayer and, and I would have some joy. I'd feel stronger. I wouldn't be, you know, uh, getting a ticket to go to Vegas to sin like crazy. I find a way to bless somebody, walk in love, all that kind of stuff, simply because I spent that time with God, and his joy filled me up. His strength gave me what I needed, gave me strength. And that's how I'm standing here today, period. Because of that close relationship with God, that daily prayer life. And that's what it's telling us here. When you get in God's presence, God fills you with joy. But that's not only what happens when you get in in God's presence, but the Bible teaches that in His presence, you get wisdom. You get answers. Now, I don't know how many times I needed to know what to do, how to do it. How do I get out of this? I couldn't figure it out. I did everything I could do, and then God shows you something that you couldn't think of. God's an expert at that. There's a story in the Old Testament about a time when Solomon became king, and he was a young king, and God promised him wisdom, and they brought to him two ladies, and the ladies said, hey, you know, we both had babies, and one of us in the middle of the night uh, kind of rolled over and suffocated our baby. And that woman got up and took the other woman's baby and put her in her bed and is pretending like this is her baby. And so these people must have looked alike. They brought him to Solomon. You got a problem. You can't tell, especially with a newborn, who the mama is, right? They're looking at this young king like, does he have the spirit of God? And he's like, oh, my goodness, right? Here's this woman. She looked like this woman. They both look like this baby. I don't know which one of these women is, is the mama. But God gave him wisdom. Give me a sword. I'll get you a sword. He says, cut the baby in half and give half to each one of them. The real mama said, no, just let her have it. The other other woman said, go ahead. He knew right then who the mama was. And God gives wisdom like that. God will tell you, you'll look at it and go, I have no idea what to do. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know. And God will give you that wisdom. But so often that comes during your prayer time or as a result of your prayer life. God can comfort you in those times and you've lost someone or you've had a failure like David did. When you spend time with God every day, he can heal you up. The Bible says God heals the broken heart. It didn't say he puts a little bit of something on their heart. He doesn't just make you feel a little better. God can heal you. He can make it as though this didn't happen. But that doesn't happen until you get close enough to him on a daily basis to allow him to keep on working on your heart. God can heal you from from those guys who treated you wrong. You don't have to go into your, your new marriage carrying the baggage of what some fools did to you. This is one reason, by the way, and I'm trying not to preach too long. I told myself I wouldn't preach too long today. But this is one reason why you should not marry someone that does not have a prayer life. Let me talk to the singles in here. How many singles we got in here right now? How many of y'all want to get married one day? Okay, that's like 90% of y'all. A lot of hands went down like I'm straight on the marriage thing. (laughs) Our next series is a family series. So we're going to spend like six to eight weeks on all of that. Well, let me say this. Do not even waste your time dating someone that does not have a prayer life. Because there are times where you won't be able to talk them into anything, but God will. There'll be things that you can't heal, but God can. There'll be times where you all need an answer and you can't seem to get it on your own, but they can get it. But they don't have this close relationship with God. You're going to have some real problems in your future. Okay, okay, I'm trying to be good. You know, something else you can get in a prayer, and and because you have a prayer life, peace. There have been times the whole world was falling apart, and yet I came out of prayer like nothing was wrong. The Bible talks about the peace that passes understanding. You know, it guards your heart and your mind. There, There have been moments where I've literally said to myself, am I being irresponsible? by not worrying because I should be worrying, but there's such a peace. But that doesn't just happen when you come close to God. God can give you that peace while he works on the problem. Ephesians five eighteen tells us something. It says, don't be drunk with wine. Oh, that'll preach because that will ruin your life. Instead, Be filled with the Spirit. What happens when I spend time in prayer? I get filled up. It's like stopping at the gas station every day. I'm getting filled with the Spirit. And what happens? I get joy. And you find yourself singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You're making melody or music to the Lord in your hearts, and you're thankful. You give thanks to God for the things that are in your life. The next scripture talks about how you submit to one another. You're more agreeable. You're easier to deal with. Why? Because you have this prayer life. You're walking with God. Don't just be a Christian. Walk with God. Last thing, Psalm 63. Y'all get anything out of this? This is really where we ought to be, where David is. A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. This is a tough time. What is he doing? Oh, God, that means Elohim, that word God. That's one of the names of God. You are my God, different Hebrew word there. That's not Elohim. It means strength, mighty. God, you are my strength. God, you are the almighty. And if God's your strength, you ought to do the next thing he says. Early will I seek you. Early. In other words, this is a priority to me. I, you are God. You're my God. I, early will I seek you. I'm, I'm putting you first. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you and a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. This is some serious longing here. I'm thirsting for you, God, because I know you'll quench the thirst of my heart. I'm longing for you, God. I'm hungry for you because I know you'll, you'll fill my heart. Well, that, that thing that was missing in my life, you are the answer. I get that. I'm chasing after you every day so I can have that. What does he want to see? He says, to see So have I looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. If you look at some other translation, it talks about the fact that he says he has already seen it. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you experience time with God, even a time like this, you're getting a taste of it. It makes you hungry for more. And that's what happened to him. Man, I've seen your power. I've seen your splendor. I've seen how great you are. I've seen the difference it makes in my life to have you in my life, to be close to you. And so i got to get up and spend time with you. I'm hungering for you. I'm thirsting for you. I'm making my time with you my priority. He says elsewhere in this psalm, my soul follows hard after thee. And, you know, that's really where God wants you to get to, where just like you are when you first meet somebody and you are in love. You can't think about nothing else. You can talk about You can't talk about nothing else. You're just on fire for that person. God's saying, that's really how I want you to be with me. I want you fervent in spirit. I want you to be in love with me where you, you're like, I can't spend a day without you, God. You're my heir, God, because you love me so much, because you said I can come and see you anytime. Because you're here to give me whatever I need when I need it. Because you're God. Jesus got this. In Mark chapter 1, we see his habit. It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. If you look at Jesus' ministry, you read the Gospels, you'll find he did this over And over and over again, let me say this. If Jesus had to pray every day to live this life and to do what God wanted him to do, what makes those who believe in Jesus think that we don't need it? This was his habit. This was his, the prize was God the Father. The prize isn't the money. The prize isn't the achievement. The prize isn't even your family. Those are all great things. They're great benefits. But the prize for you for eternity is your relationship with him. And you don't have to wait to get to heaven to enjoy that prize. You get to experience that every single day. Every day. So David and Jesus prioritized time with God. They prioritized having a prayer life. And that's how they had the results they had in their lives. And I just want to challenge you today to don't just be a Christian. Walk with God. And that simply means that every day you're going to have to make room for him. Anybody willing to make room for him today? Amen. To walk with God. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience Podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.